Welcome back to another episode of the We Know Ball podcast. I am Jasper Lindsay. Join with me as always is Gavin Bowman. And Gav, we had a surprisingly fun weekend of football here. Yeah, was surprising, but also really good to see. I know coming into the weekend, we felt like it might be a little bit lackluster, especially on the college football side of things. That wasn't the case. There was an upset and there was a couple of upsets that we kind of pre- not predicted, but saw that could potentially happen and they came to fruition and let's uh, let's go over them. 100%. So just jump into the agenda here in college football. A surprisingly crazy weekend for y'all. Winners and losers of the weekend and then we'll review our picks and how we did. Jumping over to the NFL, we had a wild Thursday night game. That's it. They're home for pretty crazy weekend in the nfl and of course monday's game with the browns and the steelers we wrap that up with picks as well so jumping into college football we talked a lot of smack like we said gab about this slate and how bad it was and then nearly every top 10 team came out and struggled in the first half so surprisingly enough we got a lot of action to break down here for y'all and that starts in the sec down in missouri where mizzou took down number 15 kansas state by a score of 30 to 27 with a 61 yard field goal to walk it off and gav what a crazy game what a wild finish 61 yard I don't you don't see that happening in college often at all so to have a game end that way was pretty incredible we talked about it coming into the game this was a prove it game for Will Howard and it really wasn't him to let the game down it was the defense we expected this Kansas State defense to come in and stop this Mizzou run game Mizzou got it going and they got it going early they kept it competitive and they got a win on home turf like you said like it was the defense for Kansas State and we both thought it was going to be the ground game that was going to control the tempo that was going to be Missouri's game plan but how about Brady Cook in this air attack man I mean the Kansas State team, we both expected to be right up there in the Big 12, standing to finish out the year, and they just couldn't stop him. Cook went for a career high, 356 yards to the air and two scores. Kansas State looked like they had this game wrapped up in the third, and they let this Mizzou squad hang around, and eventually they just set themselves up for that field goal. I think it was probably the longest field goal I've ever seen a kicker hit in college. That was just insane. Yeah, and you mentioned Cook. Incredible game, 356 through the air, as you said, and even bigger than that, no picks. Kept the ball with Missouri on offense, took care of it, gave them a chance to win, and that's ultimately what ended up happening happening. You love this Missouri Tiger team. Did they sneak their way into the top 25 this week? No, they didn't because Florida snuck their way into the top 25 this week. Oh God, Billy Napier and company. We'll get to them in a second here, but who knows? This Missouri team are playing in Big 12 that, you know, they just beat Kansas State and who's left? Oklahoma and Texas. So we could be seeing them crack the top 25 pretty soon. Wait, Mizzou's in the SEC, aren't they? Oh my God, that's a brain fart there. I'm 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 stuck in 2008 with that fucking comment. You're good, man. But I think Mizzou could definitely like make a little noise here in the SEC. I mean. It's just so wide open there that Mizzou has a chance. I think they're in the East, so it's a little harder for them to actually yeah. run here because of Georgia. But even Georgia didn't look great this weekend. So we'll see how it goes for Mizzou going forward. As for Kansas State, I think they're still right in there in the Big 12. Like this game's a one-off. Will Howard is still incredible. They got to get a couple things figured out on defense if they want to beat these Oklahoma and Texas offenses. But other than that, man, they look good to go. But jumping over to a team we were just talking about in the top 25, and we're sticking with the SEC here, where Tennessee faced their first true challenge of the year down in Gainesville against the Gators and failed mightily. The Swamp was probably the most electric atmosphere in college football this weekend, maybe even better than Boulder, but Tennessee came out firing. They went down the field in three plays to score that touchdown. We were like, oh man, is this quick strike offense back? Well, Gav, it just wasn't. I mean, the Gators scored 20 unanswered points in the first half and Tennessee just couldn't stop anything on the ground. Yeah, that quick strike on the first drive to talk about reminded me a lot of the start of the Utah game where it might cause some people to panic, but 
This Florida defense settled in quick. Ultimately, uh, they gave up almost 400 yards of offense, but only 100 on the ground, which was great to see. Expect them to stuff the run every game, and they do. Tennessee is going to move the ball on your, on any defense they play. They have a high-powered offense. It's going to happen. How about Graham Mertz? Sticking in there throughout the whole game. Incredibly efficient. 19-24. No picks. One touchdown. And then just fed Trevor Etienne the entire game. 23 carries for a buck 72 and a touchdown. Tennessee had no answer for this Florida offense. And that was the story of the game for me. Like I mentioned, Tennessee was able to move the ball pretty effectively. They only put up 16 points, but the box score tells a little bit of a different story. They averaged six yards per play. They were efficient on third down. Over three on fourth downs. Another story of the game for Tennessee. Could not convert when it mattered most, and the defense could not get off the field on their third downs. Florida, 7-14, to 50% on third down. Great game for the Gators. Great game for Graham Mertz, as much as I hate, sir, as it pains me to say it. A great game for Billy Napier. Maybe, maybe saved his job right there. Well, he very well may have saved his job right there, but I got to disagree with you on the defense. I think Tennessee's defense played really well in the second half. They held Florida just 68 total yards and three points. So, I mean, on the road in a hostile environment, that's a good sign for me for this Tennessee defensive squad. But the offense, like, I just felt like they couldn't really find their rhythm and establish anything against this Florida defense for the most part. I mean, obviously they put up a bunch of yards, but it just felt like when the throws mattered most, Joe Milton looked a little stuck there. He obviously had his first interception since 2020. But, hey, man, I mean, every time this Florida team gets a chance to establish their defense and forces opponents to play their game and at their pace, they're going to win. Like, they made this game all about possession, the ground and pound. They slowed this Tennessee offense and came out of this game trying to play fast and pick up big plays. When they force you to play their game and out-physicute the line of scrimmage, this Florida team is going to win football games. Yeah, and I'm looking ahead in this Florida football schedule. They've got the Georgia Bulldogs coming to the swamp in a couple of weeks here. And based on what I saw out of Carson Beck and company uh, in South Carolina this past weekend, I have some question marks about how well they're going to be able to move the football on this on this gear defense no a hundred percent i mean just the swamp isn't like it dude it felt like we were back in the tebow days and if you're watching the documentary out there i mean the swamp was rocking this saturday night if georgia comes into that environment with a first year quarterback i think they're going to face some challenges i don't know if florida can win that football game but they're going to make it tough on any team that comes into the swamp this year yeah, I agree. The offensive explosiveness is obviously still a question with the Gators. Well, not really a question. It's not really there considering it's Graham Mertz. But he took care of the football. It played decent. It's going to be up to that defense moving forward. Defense in the ground game. Trevor Etienne, man, what an absolute animal. Definitely. I'm excited to watch this Gators team going forward and see if they can maintain this level of play. Rounding out the games we discussed heading into the weekend, though, we got LSU blowing out Mississippi on the road 41-14. to And Gavin, boy, was I wrong about both these teams. This Mississippi State team looked absolutely dead. They could not move the ball at all. Couldn't move the ball. And then on the flip side of things, you got Jaden Daniels turning into Patrick Mahomes throwing the football. I mean, goddamn. We have talked on and on about this guy and his lackluster passing game and being more of a runner. He showed us the fuck up this game. 30 of 34 for 361, two tutties, no picks. Absolutely picked apart this Bulldogs defense. Yeah, and this is a huge game for LSU to make a statement in Stark Vegas. They got to show everyone that they're still here in this West. I mean, this West is so wide open, especially with Bama's quarterback troubles now. I mean, the SEC is just going to be fun this year, man. I feel like every team has a chance to go deep into this division and make it make a run at it come November, December. But um, yeah, I mean, Will Rogers just looked horrible in this game. He was a non-factor. He completed just 39% of his pass for 103 yards. They stopped Aquavius Marks, who I thought was going to be a big playmaker in this game. And the LSU team, they look good. They looked really damn good heading to conference play. Yeah, you mentioned Aquavius Marks. He actually averaged almost 10 yards a carry in this game, which is phenomenal. 
Uh, but Will Rogers' inability to get anything going in the passing game allowed LSU to really just step up and shut that ground game down. My one concern coming out of this game for the Tigers, Jaden Daniels carried the ball 15 times again. And we mentioned his durability factor and needed to get other guys involved. Like, I don't understand why Logan Diggs only getting the ball nine times a game. It's it's kind of ridiculous, especially when you're killing Mississippi State. Let's try some other guys, save our quarterback, and maybe get a ground game going for the for future games. So we got Alabama on the schedule. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think my problem with LSU is I feel like Brian Kelly's always been a crowd pleaser. Like, if something's working, he's just going to stick with it. He gives the people what they want. I mean, he's a head coach, but he doesn't really do his own thing. He's Brian Kelly. I mean, the way he fucking came in there and did the fake Southern accent at that basketball game, he's just he's a crowd pleaser down in LSU, man. He's going to give the fans what they want. Yeah, and after growing up a USC Children's fan, I couldn't hate that guy more, but... <laughs> Not hating, but he's got this team playing well after that week one debacle against the Seminoles, and we'll see how LSU looks moving forward. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the Seminoles, we got to hop over to this red bandana game where FSU down starters, and it did not look good against this Boston College team, Gavin. Nope, did not. They were up 31-10. to 10. They had this game in the bag, and next thing you know, BC's within a field goal. And we're all saying, what the fuck's going on? That's not how you want to play coming into this Clemson game this weekend. I know Clemson's not what they used to be, or not what we expect them to be. But after what I saw from FSU this weekend, I, they need to get healthy, or else Clemson down in Death Valley could come away with this game pretty easily. Yeah, and for me, it was the defense, man. I mean, as you said, they end the third quarter, it's 31-17. They look like they got it wrapped up. It's like, oh, FSU's back. Then BC goes on to score 13 unanswered points in the fourth. They really struggled to move the ball through the air in this one, too. Jordan Travis, a guy who we expected to be competing for the Heisman by now, just 212 yards to the air. Keon Coleman, nowhere to be seen. This defense also struggled to get pressure on the quarterback, which when you play a guy like Cade Klubnick, you got to get pressure on him because he is going to tuck that ball and run any chance he can get. This game was way too close for me heading to that Clemson matchup, like you said. I'm really starting to get scared for this Seminole team if they can't get healthy. They got to come out of the gates ready to move the ball if they want to win that game. Yeah, you hit every point I had as well. Jordan Travis looked okay. He took good care of the football. No picks, obviously. No turnovers for the Florida State team. They couldn't stop the run. Or they, they didn't get pressure to the quarterback and missing a bunch of stars on defense. They allowed Thomas Castellanos, the quarterback, to run for 5.9 yards per carry, 95 yards. And Kai Robichaud running back, uh, only three on the ground, three yards per carry on the ground, but a touchdown and 64 yards to add on to that. So facing a team like Clemson, where you talked about Cade Klubnick will tuck it and run, and obviously their offense is centered around Will Shipley in that ground game. They got some work to do this week in practice. Get healthy and figure out how to stop it. I want to write this one off as a trap game, and I think it is just because of how good this Knowles team could be. Like, we saw them make LSU look like a FCS team. Or not an FCS, yeah, but like, they bragged all in a little bit. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I still like FSU in that Clemson matchup. We'll obviously get to that later in the week, but this team definitely needs to clean it up. This one was not a good one for them. All right. Jumping over to the game of the weekend. College game day was in Boulder this weekend, and I'd be lying if us and everyone else in the country didn't think the Buffalo were going to blow this Rams team out of the water. But Gavin, this game had everything, man. Whether it be storylines with Dion on the sunglasses, physical play, and just some of the craziest plays of the year in general. Oh, and yeah, there were also a zillion penalties in this game. Yeah, yeah. Undisciplined football, pick sixes, two overtimes. I mean, it had it all. Like you said, yeah. it's more storyline game for me, simply because I mean, it's Colorado State, and Colorado was a twenty-four point favorite in this game, and they came with an eight-point double overtime victory. This is this is literally like North Carolina versus Appalachian State last week, except it had Deion Sanders and a bunch of storylines. You know what I mean? 
Looking at it from a pure football perspective, this is not how Colorado wants to go into Odson. We just talked about Florida State looking bad leading up to this Clemson game. Well, Colorado's the same way, and they're also going on the road into an incredibly difficult environment. Dion needs to get these boys right, especially on the defensive side of the football. Giving up 500 yards to Colorado State is simply unacceptable. I am terrified for what Bo Nix is going to do to these boys. I'm terrified for what Bo Nix can do, especially because Travis Hunter is now out for three weeks. And that, yep. that hit by Blackman was dirty. It was stupid he should have been ejected i can't believe you lose a game for targeting but that shit is just sliding in this league but yeah it was ugly took two overtimes with the buff to pull it out shadur's just always going to throw this team on his back whether we like it or not he has even down travis hunter he has too many weapons on this offensive side of the football to ever really be down and out in a game but as you said thankfully oregon can't play defense either but their offense has the opportunity to pull away in this game big time just because of what bo Nix can do plus they got to stop the run with bucky irvin there just might be too many factors coming against this Buffs team going forward. Yeah, you mentioned Shador. He looks phenomenal. His, his high in stock is increasing every single week. Dylan Edwards on the ground, averaging 5.7 to carry, obviously great. But in this game where the Buffs had come from behind, uh, this was all about Shador in the passing game. And without Travis Hunter, he was spreading it around. Xavier Weaver was the guy this week, 9 for 98. Michael Harrison getting the tight end involved all over the place. Jimmy Horn, Tavarius Dawson, all these guys getting involved. Shador looks phenomenal. I just need this defense to step up before I can really buy into them. Are are, are they a good team? Yes. Did Vegas undervalue them coming into the season? Yes. Will they win more than six games and go bowling? Yes. Are they a top 20 team in the country? I don't know. I need to see them play some good competition first. I don't know either. And I like the uh, AP poll moving them down a spot this week. They need to be humbled a little bit, but I mean, especially <laughs> rushing the field as a 24 point favorite. Yeah, that I've actually got that in my lose for the week is the Colorado fan base. That was pretty, pretty ridiculous. But I mean, you know, I I, I was wrong about this team. I thought they were going to go three and nine. They've already got three wins. They're three and oh. Offense looks phenomenal. And hats off to Dion coming in year one and getting, getting this program rejuvenated seriously because it, it's been awesome to see. I just want to see them play some real teams and then we'll go from there. Absolutely, man. And I mean, we're going to see them play real teams going forward. They got Oregon this weekend, and then they take USC at home next weekend. That game's going to be fun, no matter what way you cut it. Yeah, I think both those overrunners are like 70 points. It's fucking awesome. As they should be, as they should be. So that wraps up our breakdown of the college slate, but we got to get into winners and losers of the weekend here. And I'm going to start with my first winner here, Gav, and that is Iowa Hawkeyes offensive coordinator, Brian <laughs> Ferentz, after the Hawkeyes get a 41-10 to victory over Western Michigan this weekend. Ferentz offense is officially averaging 28 points per game, which for those who didn't already know, he's contractually required to average 25 a game. So good for Ferentz. We'll see if he can keep it up. And then I have in parentheses here, he won't. Yeah, well, he has to go into the other Death Valley this weekend and play play the Nittany Lions of Penn State. So we'll see how he fares against that ferocious defense that James Franklin has over there. My first point of the week, it's got to be Billy Napier, a guy that was on the hot seat coming into this game at home against a big rival that hasn't won in your stadium since like 2002 in my lifetime, I think. Great win, momentum win, jump into the top 25, get this defense playing well. The offense can get going. They'll cause some noise in the SEC. He's coaching for his job right now. And this was a huge one for him. So W Billy Napier, even though I would love to see him fight. Oh, yeah, man. And I'm going to stick in the swamp right there with you because my winner of the weekend in Florida is primetime Graham Mertz. I don't care if he didn't fully take over this game. The kid ran for two touchdowns on a primetime win. He finally beat a top 25 team under the lights. I still hate him. The way he drinks water makes me super uncomfortable. But for this week and hopefully for this week only, Graham Mertz gets his flowers. Yep. Another winner. Let's go down to, to LSU. I mean, coming out and playing the way they did was 
simply phenomenal. Jaden Daniels passing the ball through the air. We already touched on it. You can't say enough about how good you look this week, and I'm excited to see what it is moving forward. Yeah, not much else to say. Great win for LSU. We were wrong. Yeah. My last winner of the week is a conference, and that's the Pac-12. No matter which way you cut it, this conference is must-watch football. Eight teams in the top 25. Everyone seems to have a quarterback who can light up opposing secondaries. And starting next week, and we're going to get into this Thursday pod, they are about to kill each other. Yes, they are. And that's what they do every year. But it's going to be at a very high rate this year. Very good football. Going to be fun to watch. My third and final winner is college football fans because we get to move through this weird slate and on to next week where we have a lot of fun matchups to watch. Starting with Florida State Clemson. Starting with Iowa Penn State. Starting with Oregon Colorado. So much to talk about. We'll get into it later in the week. But college football fans, you are a winner because we're on to a new week. Dude, I'm so excited for this weekend, man. We just got packed games out the wazoo. We got matchups in the SEC. This is going to be a fun one for sure. Which brings us to the losers of the weekend. <clears throat> and I got to start with the Alabama Crimson Tide. They have a huge problem with quarterback as they emptied out the Jeff chart against USF, where they were only able to muster 17 total points. They should have dominated this game. They're turned back to Jalen Milrow next week. But, oh, man, this squad is in trouble headed forward. If they can't find a guy who can win them games under center, I'm starting to really like Ole Miss Moneyline. <laughs> yeah, that's another game I had mentioned this this weekend that I'm really, really excited to see. I don't know that I agree with going back to Milrow. I think it's time to throw Ty Simpson out there and see what he can do because Spokner couldn't move the ball. We saw what Milrow looked like against Texas. Give the five star his time. Let's see what he can do. My first loser, I already mentioned him, the Colorado fans. What are we doing? You're 24-point favorites and you storm the field. Like, I understand, you know, like, you'll, you'll talk about storming the field in Boulder, like, a few, you know, 10 years down the road. But then when somebody asks who, who it was against, and you say Colorado State, and you ask what the spread was, and you say 24, and you're like, oh, you guys were thrilled about a double OT victory when you were 24-point favorites? Like, come on now. Are we going to start storming against fucking Western Kentucky when we beat them? I mean, ridiculous. Be better. I know it's a lot of hype, and I, I'm not I'm not angry about it, but don't do that when you're 24-point favorite. That's, that's pretty that's pretty ridiculous. I'm going to kind of disagree with you here. I feel like just the pain that programs went through and just the storylines headed in this game, like obviously it can't be every week, but I feel like in a rivalry matchup where you've lost constantly, you've looked really bad throughout the years and it's just been pain after pain after pain for this program. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. This has to be the last. This is the last time I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt for storming the field because the Nebraska one I thought was a little ridiculous, but I'm going to give these kids a break. I don't know. I, I I just don't like it out of, you know, I know there's been a lot of pain. Yeah. But it's, I mean, you're, it's, you're, you're expected to win this game. I don't, I don't know if I've seen a team storm a field and they've been uh, expected to win by three touchdowns. So they've been through a lot. And again, they look phenomenal. I'm so happy to see them playing well, but let's, let's throw the hype until we play a good team. Yeah. I mean, this is just the Dion era, man. This is what's going to come. <laughs> All right, my second loser for the weekend is top 10 teams in the first half. It seemed like every team in the top 10 struggled this week against lesser opponents. We already talked about FSU and Bama, but Texas, Michigan, Georgia also got off to super slow starts against teams they should have destroyed at home. They will not be able to make these same mistakes next week as we jump into conference play. No, they will not. The teams that do come out slow in the first half of the upcoming week will be the ones that lose. And there will be some upsets this week, so I'm excited to see them. My second loser will be Joe Milton and company. Well, more specifically, Joe Milton, because as you mentioned, offense moved the ball just fine. Outscored Florida in the second half uh, by a lot. 
but it came down to the clutch plays and Joe Milton couldn't make them. And those are the plays that are going to define this season for the Tennessee Volunteers. I need to see him step up moving forward, and I did not see it this week. Don't know how I feel about Tennessee coming out of this week. Tennessee's absolutely in trouble, man. I, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I mean, this is a team. I mean, I I put my takes on the line there with Joe Milton, but we'll see how it goes. My last loser of the weekend, Gav, it's us. We said this slate was bad entering the weekend, which it was, but I mean, this is college football, man. Anything can happen. And just like thinking we know this stuff. So I picked, remember I picked ASU to win last week and they got, they lost Oklahoma State. Yes. Well, South Alabama made Oklahoma State look like an FCS team this week. It was embarrassing for them, man. I mean, college football, this is why I love college football, man, because it's any given Saturday. Anything can happen. And, I mean, we expected Colorado State to come in there and get blown out by the buffs. They end up making it a close game. This is the beauty of the sport, but we're still losers for it. Yeah, it's craziness. And my third loser is on that same you know, same kind of wavelength is we sure as hell didn't expect Georgia to get tested at home, but they sure as hell did. Spencer Rattler came in there and they were up 14, three at the half. We were like, Oh my God, is Georgia about to lose? You know, I scored South Carolina 21 zero in the second half, but you know, damn well, Kirby smart was not happy with that game and gave those boys an earful in the locker room. Carson Beck looked timid at times. It is the Georgia defense held up and didn't allow Spencer Rattler to get anything going because the rest of that team is awful. But, you know, it was not a good game to watch as a Georgia fan in a game where you expect to blow an SEC opponent out of the water. Kirby better have the boys ready to go this this week. Yeah, the amount of shots they did where they panned to the crowd, you saw fans with their hands on their head in that first half was hilarious, especially in the rain over in Georgia. But yeah, man, I mean, crazy weekend. We're jumping into another crazy weekend here going forward. But we got to get into our picks from the weekend and how we did. And how do you think you fared this weekend in college football? I think I nailed the Florida game. I had plus six and a half there. By the time kickoff happened, it went down to, I think, almost four and a half. I know for certain it was at five. Obviously, no sweat there. 13-point win for the Gators. Plus six and a half, never in jeopardy. Houston looked abysmal, so they will not be getting uh, they will not be getting bet again. So that's plus seven and a half missed. One and one, I'm fine with that. I didn't like a whole lot in the slate this week. I'm still doing great on the season so far, and I've got some some picks lined up that I'll be ready to share uh, for this this week later on. Same here. Two and one on the weekend. That Mississippi State pick killed me. That was just horrible. I don't know what I was thinking there. But, yeah, Florida hit the under, and then Washington minus 16. The Spartans team is so dead, man. Yeah, and Washington looks fucking awesome. I think you rode them each of the past two weeks and absolutely drilled. So hats off to you there. Two and one weeks are always great. That's plus money. I think that takes us to, so three and two on the week, that'll be 14 and nine on the year. If you're betting one unit per play, you're up a couple of units. Yes, sir. I mean, I wanted to give out that Missouri to cover so bad, but I just didn't trust it. And then I went with the Mississippi State game that I thought was going to be way closer than it was. Just a brutal one. One pick away from a 3-0 and weekend, but... Yeah, so that wraps up college football. We are going to have a huge show for you guys later in the week because this slate is juiced, man. I'm so excited to break this thing down. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. As I mentioned, Bama, Ole Miss, Clemson, Florida State. A lot of games to look forward to, a lot to talk about, a lot of storylines, and some upsets looming, no doubt. Let's get into it later. 100%. Jumping over to the NFL, and I know, yeah, it was nice to have football back last week, but this weekend really felt like football was back. I mean, we had 10 games within one score, whole bunch of craziness in the NFL, crazy plays, crazy just happenings. I mean, I know you were watching that <clears throat> Lions-Seahawks game. That ref telling Gino I'm talking to America right now might be one of the moments of the year. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. And, yeah, that, I don't even care about the intentional ground and calling that play. That was, that was fucking awesome. 
to hear Gino in, in the ref's ear on the mic, and then the ref just totally shut him down. It was hilarious. Oh, no, that was awesome. Jumping over to Thursday Night Football, we start with the Vikings taking on the Eagles, and the Vikings just dropped another bad one, man. They could have easily won this game. Yep. Defensive question marks, offensive line question marks, all the question marks that we expected to see for Vikings. Coming into this year, Eagles didn't exactly look great either, giving up 28 points to Kirk and company. I mean, they're at 2-0, and but it's a shaky 2-0 and so far. Both teams have serious question marks moving forward, but it was a very fun game to watch on Thursday night. No, 100%. I mean, Kirk was throwing the ball well. He looked as good as he did last year. DeAndre Swift was just putting up crazy numbers on the ground, 175 total yards and a score. But you're right, man. I mean, the Vikings, this team just looks like they lack an identity. One week it's the offense, the next it's the defense. Eagles, on the other hand, Jalen Hurts looks like he's having some... I mean, and Donovan McNabb came out yesterday and said he's playing at like 60-70% because Jalen Hurts does not look like the same player these past couple weeks. And they've been a couple plays away from blowing both these games now. I mean, they could easily have found themselves 0-2 or 1-1. I think this offense, if they're not getting right by that Cowboys game, they're going to struggle against that defense mightily. Yeah, the offense and the defense, too. I mean, the Vikings averaged 6.8 yards per play in this game. Just incredible. And it was all through the air. The Vikings only ran for 28 yards in this game. They threw for 350. And especially against the Cowboys defense that will swarm this Eagles offense, give them Dak and company a lot of time to move the ball. I am concerned for the Eagles moving forward, especially if Hurts is playing at less than 100%. Same here, man. The Vikings looked really bad on the ground. And yeah, I mean, the Eagles, get your quarterback who you just paid healthy. This is ridiculous. You just made a long-term investment in this guy and you're just going to let him run out there and get more injured or not play at 100%. I mean, obviously he got the surgery, so he's still recovering from that. But man, your team is good enough to where they can drop a game or two and still make the playoffs. And if you're not healthy by then, I have serious concerns for you. Yeah, you know, everyone talked about last year with the Eagles and how easy their schedule was and did that maybe make them look better than they actually were at times. I am very much on that wave. I do believe their schedule was cupcake last year and a harder schedule this year will certainly take a toll on this team. And if Jalen Hurts is truly not playing at 100% right now, that toll will only be harder on him, especially moving forward. Get him healthy, get this team in the right mental state because this schedule does get harder as you mentioned with the Cowboys coming up in a couple of weeks here. Upside though, Devonta Smith looks incredible. Yes, and Deion, DeAndre Swift looked fucking awesome too. But this this team is not what we came to expect from them week in and week out last year, which was incredible defensive play and incredibly efficient offense. Offense looked fine, but again, playing Vikings, I'm not really going to put too much stock in it. The Vikings defense is nothing to write home about. 100%. Jumping over to the early window on Saturday, and we start with the Seahawks at the Lions. And Gav, I'm going to let you take the floor here because your team bounced back in a huge way. Bounce back in a huge way. I was tempted to give Seattle plus five and a half as a pick coming this week. Couldn't bring myself to do it simply because of what I saw last week playing against the St. Louis Rams at home and how bad we looked. But turn it around this week. Geno Smith, man, what an incredible performance from my QB1, man. 360 yards through the air, a couple of scores. I think his passer rating was 120. It was just incredible. And Devin Witherspoon looked great in his debut. I think that 
that was my biggest takeaway was how good Dev looked. He was a rookie at times. So he got torched on a flea flicker and he'll, he'll learn. He'll learn. But he made a couple of huge fourth down stops. Dan Campbell's unwillingness to punt the football, I think, really killed the Lions in this game because we stopped them on fourth down twice at midfield, went down and got points off of it each time. The Lions have a great offense. They're going to move the football. I'm okay giving up 31 to them in that game because we do get Jamal back this upcoming week. He's not exactly a presence in the coverage game, but he's certainly a presence in blitzing and causing havoc on that defense, which the Seattle Seahawks very much need. Happy to see his team getting healthy. Happy to see Geno playing amazing. Happy to see K-9 playing awesome. The offense came together this week, and we're going to have to win games with the offense moving forward. Gino played great, man, and that's exactly what you want to see after giving him the 100-plus mil to play quarterback. You mentioned the defense. I think you guys held up well despite giving up 31 points. I mean, you did force three turnovers, and that was a big difference maker in this game, too. But as we talked about in the preview this weekend, the Lions squad is not looking good in the secondary. I mean, as we said, they were a few plays away from getting torched by the Chiefs last week. Gino made the plays that need to be made. Tyler Lockett looked great, and they now lose C.D. Deuce, which really sucks for this team. If they want to win this North, they absolutely can off their offense, but they're going to need to step it up in the passing game right now. Yeah, giving up 35 points a game is not going to cut it. Obviously, they didn't give up 35 to the Chiefs, but if the Chiefs had Travis Kelsey, I do think that would have been the case, at least 30. The offense is great. They're going to score points. But it comes down to the secondary and, and how they can play because they will get pressure with Hutch and, you know, Jack Campbell in the middle and everyone else on that, on that D-line they got there. But the Seahawks offense is good. It ain't top tier. So teams they play moving forward are going to be a problem, especially in the secondaries, as we just mentioned. Well, especially if your right guard doesn't get called for holding all game again. <laughs> yeah, that too. Aiden Hutchinson could not get loose, man. They were holding that guy. Yeah, well, get away with some. But yeah, this story for me was about Gino. For sure, playing how we expect him to play coming in this year, and this Lions defense looking subpar. I, I, I think you're right. The Seahawks defense held up pretty well, and I'm excited for us moving forward because I had no hope after Week One. 100%, man. I mean, this team bounced back in a huge way. I think the Seahawks, you'd be in a much more somber mood if they started out 0 2, man. It would have been bad. <laughs> Especially in the way the West looks. I mean, we you mentioned the Rams lost. They held up really well against this Niners team, man. It's going to be a lot more competitive than we thought. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit scared about that. I hope this Rams defense start playing like the Rams defense. I expect them to play like coming into the year, which is not very good. But they've, they've held up pretty well so far this year. Jumping over a team that hasn't held up well, the Bengals are now 0-2 after losing one to the Ravens at home. And this offense just looks so out of whack, man. This whole team looks out of whack. Yeah, Joe Burrow looks really bad. Really, really, really bad. Is it time to start hitting the panic button in Cincinnati? I know they've started 0-2 like for the last five years, but wow, man, this was this was a tough game to watch for a team that we expect to be contenders in this AFC. No, 100%. And Joe Burrow even looked like he re-aggravated his calf injury, and maybe he wasn't 100% to begin with, and that's why he wasn't able to do Joe Burrow things. But the Bengals' defense also got gashed for 415 total yards, man. Lamar threw the ball well. Gus Edwards pulled away in the absence of J.K. Dobbins. But you mentioned Joe Burrow in this offense. They Just the brutal pick in the end zone, like, they had opportunities to get the ball down the field and they just didn't take it, especially because this Ravens defense isn't everything it's cut out to be, man. I mean, they could have easily moved the ball on this team. They could have ran away with this game, especially at home. I just think the defense for the Bengals right now is not good enough to make up for their offensive inconsistency. And it's going to be a pretty tough year head forward if they can't figure this thing out. Yeah, the Ravens D, like you said, didn't look very good at all. The the Bengals were moving the ball and they were, they were crossing the 50 every time they had the fucking ball. They just couldn't get past that point. And I don't know what it is. They just continue to stall, stall, stall. For me, this game comes down to three storylines. 
Joe Burrow looked really bad. Bengals couldn't convert on the Ravens side of the field. Lamar Jackson looked great. And I think that might be the biggest storyline, in my opinion, beyond the Bengals potentially having hit the panic button. Lamar looks great. And if he can stay healthy and lead this Ravens team in the way he led them this weekend, they probably are the team to beat in the AFC North at this moment. I mean, you look at just what he did, spreading the ball around all over the place. Not a single receiver eclipsed five receptions this weekend, but seven of them over three receptions. Nelson Aguilar, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, Odell, Rashad Bateman, Justice Hill, pardon me, six receivers. But even still, getting everybody involved, finding the right guy at the right time, not making any mistakes, and being a leader, which is what the Ravens need. He looked phenomenal, and I expect it to continue moving forward. 100%. I mean, they didn't skip a beat on the running game either, even with the loss of J.K. Dobbins. But yeah, man, I mean, the Ravens do look the team to beat, especially with the struggles of the Steelers and the Browns, both looking like they regressed a little this week, and obviously the Bengals now struggling. Shall we over to Duvall, though, where the Chiefs took down the Jags 17-9, and we got to talk about teams struggling. The Jags did not look good in this one, Gavin. Oh, my. They looked really, really bad. And you go back to our AFC South preview before the season started. And I was saying it's the Jags division to lose, but don't sleep on Mike Braver and company lurking right behind them with an offense that's we know what they're going to be. They're going to be pretty one dimensional with Derrick Henry. But Ryan Tannehill has been taking decent care of the football so far. The defense looks oddly good, but enough about the Titans. Let's talk about the Jags for a sec. What the fuck? I mean, nine points at home against a Chiefs defense that's middle of the pack? I understand they got Chris Jones back, but they couldn't convert in the red zone. Trevor Lawrence looks like he was a little bit lost out there. Nobody could get open against this Chiefs secondary. It's not exactly anything to write home about. And if you would have told me the Chiefs were going to score 17 points in this game, I would have expected the Jags to win by at least 10 points. I've got some serious concerns about Jacksonville as well. Similar to how I feel about the Bengals, which is inability to convert on offense, but the defense is okay, but not good enough to win them games. Yeah, we talked about the defense in the preview, obviously, but I also want to highlight this offensive line, man. They allowed four sacks on Trevor Lawrence against the Chiefs D-line. That is not good, man. I mean, I think the offensive line is going to be a problem going forward because Trevor Lawrence is going to need time, especially with the receiving core he has to get down the field. And I mean, you saw it with Travis Etienne too. I mean, he just was not able to break loose at all in this game, eventually ended up getting hurt. But how much of a difference do Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey make to this Chiefs team, man? They looked like a completely different squad after last week. Yeah, I mean, two obviously leaders of that offense and defense. Two players that pack a punch, man. Kelsey just gets open every fucking play. Chris Jones is a big reason why they got to, why they got to Trevor Lawrence four times this weekend. The Chiefs will find their footing. I don't think anybody's worried about them. Even if they had lost this game, I wouldn't be very concerned at all. I'm more concerned about Jacksonville and how they play against top-tier opponents moving forward. Yeah, as I said, this Jags team... They're good, but they're not a complete squad yet. It's going to be a tough wake-up call here in Duval going forward. They got to be better. Jumping over to the team you did mention, though, and I don't have a ton on this game, but the Chargers visiting the Titans. I only have a couple notes here, and number one is Braden Staley needs to be fired. Yeah, he lost this game once again. Ridiculous game management's just absolutely absurd. He's leaving Justin Herbert on a fucking island out there. I think Justin Herbert is a top five QB in the league. I mean, the throws he's making are just off the charts right now. I'm tired of talking about Brandon Staley because it's really bad at this point. The game management he does not have and the inability to coach this defense and get them playing at the tier they should be playing at is really, really hard to watch. That was the story of this game for me, but also Tennessee looking decent. 
against a Chargers team that their head coach sucks, but the rest of the team is incredibly talented. So to come out of there with a win was was big for the Tennessee Titans. Autry and Simmons on that Titans defensive front look great, man. I mean, they were getting after the Justin Herbert all day. As you said, though, I mean, this is a game where everything lined up for the Chargers, especially this Tennessee secondary. They should have been able to throw the ball and win this game by at least 10 points. Nothing worked out for them. They got some serious question marks going forward because there's no way my Raiders are better than this team. Like, I hate to say it. We suck, and the Chargers should not be 0-2 right now. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, they'll, they'll win games moving forward, but Staley is gone at the end of this year. He has to be, just based on the first two weeks and what I've seen with him losing both these games to this team. All right, we got to jump over to the game of the week now, and that is the Giants at the Cardinals. What a game. I mean, this game was just so messy. This was this was the game where it really felt like football was back for me because this was just <laughs> chaos. I mean, Josh Dobbs looked like Lamar Jackson out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a whole lot on this game because both of these teams are bad, but Daniel Jones' legacy game coming from 21 down and the Cardinals' Cardinal, they, they might have lost the game on purpose because they, they need some help uh, there uh, in, in Arizona. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, the 21-point deficit was huge. Losing Saquon hurts. Yeah, man, I mean, Daniel Jones, you paid him $160 million. It's nice to see he actually has something left in the tank. Yeah. Last week. I think they got outscored 42-7 to through their first two six quarters of the season it was bad they and they they had like 300 yards of total offense through six quarters and then went off for 350 in the last two insanity insanity jumped to another game that was pretty insane and that was the dolphins taking on the patriots sunday night football and this game got off to a pretty slow start it didn't feel like a lot was going on but man i mean this dolphins team looks good their defense finally played well they got a gritty win in gillette we all knew it was going to be ugly but they got it done i love what i saw out of both teams you mentioned the dolphins grit the defense showing up to play which i expected them to this week that front seven is deadly and they need to start playing like it moving forward the offensive explosiveness is obviously there and i'm i'm dying on this hill that they they are the best team in the AFC East as long as Tua Tagovailoa stays healthy. And on the flip side, the Patriots looks fine. Holding the Dolphins to 24 points is a win in my book, especially with how explosive that team is. Christian Gonzalez looks like everything they wanted to be, which is amazing to see. And the offense, I mean, it, it's 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 what they're going to be this year. They're going to be a 20-point-a-game team. They're going to win some games with their defense, but they simply don't have the talent to keep pace with the Miami Dolphins. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to see what they look outside, what the Patriots look like outside of Gillette, too, because I think having the home field advantage has kind of mired some of their bigger inconsistencies. And they've just been, past two weeks, though, they've been in games, man. They've been a play away, and this week's play was pretty fucking crazy, especially <laughs> tossing that thing back to the O-lineman, missing the first down by inches. But, man, yeah, Tua looks great through two games. The other thing I have on my notes here is Xavier Howard returned to form. Huge for the Dolphins. They need him to be as good as he has been in that secondary. And the last thing we got to mention is obviously probably the best challenge flag throw of all time by bill belichick <laughs> that was unreal the sass man fucking incredible but bill's gonna bill so patriots oh and two they haven't played like it they're better they're better than an own two team and they will pick up some wins here moving forward yeah especially with the jets now looking like the worst team in that afc east yeah with no Aaron Rodgers, they're lost yeah. as long as zach wilson's back there they're good for at least two turnovers a game <laughs> All right, jumping into Monday night, and we had the Browns and the Steelers, and yeah, this is the last time I ever bet on the Browns. I hate this team so much. Deshaun Watson is just such a scumbag, man. He's not the same player he was in 2020 on the field, and then he's addicted to face mask penalties, and he should have been ejected, man. He pushed an official. This guy stinks as a person and a player, and just to add insult to injury, then Nick Chubb's leg exploded on national television. 
This was a god-awful night for the Cleveland Browns. You lose your star running back, your best player, maybe aside from Miles Garrett. Your quarterback, who you paid a king's ransom for, looks like he should be playing in the Canadian Football League. You give up two defensive touchdowns to the Steelers. Not one, but two to lose this football game. And you're a Cleveland Browns fan. The week one showcase in Cincinnati, defense looked great, but that's that's not your team moving forward. I mean, defense looked great against uh, last night. They looked fine, but... This offense is going to be seriously lackluster and a serious concern and question mark. Not even that. They're going to be bad. They're going to be bad moving forward. And I expect them to miss out on the playoffs by a lot. Probably won't even finish above 500. I have nothing but bad things to say about Cleveland after this game. On the flip side, Pittsburgh, the defense finally stepped up like I expected them to coming off that Niners week one debacle. And Kenny Pickett didn't look great, but he made some improvements from week one that I loved to see. The pick that he threw to Grant Del Pitt was absolutely absurd, really bad, but comes back and throws a 71-yard touchdown to George Pickens. That was a nice little throw right there and took care of the ball from there on out. And that, that's what people love to see about him from last season. Over the second half of last season, he only threw one interception. He needs to hold on to the football moving forward and the Steelers can put the name in the mix in the AFC North. 100%. And I think a big factor in that is they need to get the ground game going. I mean, you yeah. cannot have Kenny Pickett just standing back there and throwing the football. There's He's not talented enough yet. He's not adjusted enough yet. But I want to touch on one more thing you said. Like, the Browns are going to be struggling for the formidable future. They're going to be struggling for a long time. I don't know how they get out of this Deshaun Watson quarterback or contract. This is crazy, man. Yeah, I don't see it either, and I haven't thought about it a whole lot, to be quite frank, but it's classic Cleveland Browns. You think they're back, and they're they're not. They take one step forward, three steps back. Deshaun looks really bad, really, really, really bad. And again, like like the Patriots and the Steelers, their defense is going to win some games this year, but losing Nick Chubb is going to hurt them mightily moving forward. Even worse, Baker Mayfield kind of looks like a good quarterback again, so <laughs> classic Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So that wraps the worst. I mean, we, we don't don't even need to talk about this Saints Panthers game. Both these teams are, I mean, the Saints are just so bad, man. Derek Carr is addicted to not converting in the red zone. It's crazy. <laughs> and then get Bryce Young some help, man. He just like every time he throws the ball, nobody's open. It's insane. He's throwing the guys that are draped in coverage. And he himself looks a little bit timid back there, but can't really blame him with no. with the core he's got around him. Yeah, 100%. So jumping into our picks from the weekend, I had another bad weekend in the NFL again. When I say I don't understand this league at all, I really don't. I went one and two. Obviously, Browns minus two. We bet against each other. I got to give you the win there. The Browns should have won that game by two points, but Deshaun Watson is a horrible quarterback, and they just, yeah. Other bets I had this weekend, Cowboys minus nine and a half. Never a doubt. That defense was unbelievable. Dak actually looked really great in that game. We didn't really get to it, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I forget what my other pick was, but it was a loss. Oh, it was the over in the Jags-Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, the Jags-Chiefs over, I was going to say. So, that one. That one was a pretty, pretty early write that one off, considering that Trevor Lawrence and company couldn't move anything down the field. Um, but yeah, good Cowboys pick there. And then, of course, I got the I got the win in the Steelers Browns side of things. Um, I was back in the Steelers defense and they came to play for me. Jags plus three and a half. No reason they shouldn't have covered that game. Uh, similar to year over 51. I mean, they had every chance in the fucking world to score one touchdown and get get that game within a field goal pretty absurd they didn't in my opinion but it happens i'll take the loss there the panthers plus three and a half talk about the back door of the century touchdown and two-point conversion to get me there fucking awesome i mean they were covering the whole game and if you know if, if bryce young doesn't fucking 
get strip sacked in the you know late in third quarter, it's probably a sweat free cover because this Carolina defense held up pretty well the entire game. They just got gassed at the end. I can't say I blame them because they were on the field the entire time. Uh, but great backdoor cover there, getting the three and a half early in the week. So I didn't have to take the three and get my push. Two and one this week, another three and three week for us combined. Six and six on the season. I'll take it. Hey, next week will be better. Um, and we'll have that show out for you guys coming this Thursday. Um, huh. Oh, my God, dude. I'm sick, too. This sucks. <laughs> We're going to power through it, though, for the people. Get you guys a good show here, especially with these juice slates coming up this weekend. See you all later this week.